Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Emma. Hi, Brittany. So in an older episode, Connor and I quickly ran through the list of about four or five logical fallacies. We didn't do all of them because there's so many, but as a refresher, a logical fallacy is is an error in reasoning or, or maybe a false assumption, a false belief. And it might sound really impressive when you're talking about it and when like these people do these mm-hmm. arguments that just don't work. We talked about straw man. We talked about, oh goodness, we talked about several. I'll link to that episode in the show notes. <laughs> But these logical fallacies don't really do anything. It might make the person who's using them feel better about themselves, but it doesn't actually <laughs> it doesn't actually make an argument, right? It actually stops yeah. an argument. So um, logical fallacies are something I want to talk about today, but I want to talk about one specific one. Um, Emma, how much do you know about logical fallacies? Well, um, before I, I started working with the Tuttle Twins, I used to do some stuff where I would be on TV occasionally and ah, yes. talk, You've dealt talk with it about <laughs> politics on TV. So I feel like any logical fallacy in the book, I have probably heard someone say it trying to prove their point or, or use a logical fallacy, I should say. So I, I love that we're talking about this because... There are a lot of people running around using a lot of logical fallacies and just not really getting checked on it and not having people call them out for it. So I'm I'm excited to get into this. Exactly. And luckily, the Tuttle Twins have a whole book about logical fallacies. So we will go through a couple of these throughout you know, our podcast. But today, I want to talk about one. But first, so the reason these are so important is because by understanding these logical fallacies, it's going to make you not only a better thinker, but a better debater, a better like, mm-hmm. arguer. You're going to be more effective at persuading other people about your beliefs. You're going to be able to what they call poke holes in incorrect arguments by others. You're going to see where they're flawed in their thinking. So, you know, Connor and I gave a brief handful of a bunch of them, but I want to focus today on one that we didn't talk about, and that is an appeal to emotion. So, Emma, mm-hmm. when I say an appeal to emotion, what comes to your mind? The first one that comes to mind is something from this this COVID thing where people would say, "Oh, you're, you know, you're a grandma killer. You're yeah. heartless. Yep. You want people to die." Or when you talk about maybe government programs and how they should work, they say, "Well, you just want poor people to starve," which of course is is not true. That's yep. a horrible thing <laughs> to accuse somebody of. Um, but that's that's what people do to try to rally support for their cause is they just totally demonize people that disagree with them by by just appealing to emotions and appealing to, you know, oh, well, well, surely you don't want anyone to die of COVID or surely you don't want anyone to starve. So it's um, it's kind of a cheap shot. <laughs> Absolutely. So an appeal to emotion too, like it's actually very formulaic, meaning it has like mm-hmm. structure to it. So an appeal to emotion usually consists of three parts. And the first one is so person A in a conversation states their position, their belief. And then person A expresses an emotional story. So we see this a lot in presidential debates. So let's use the COVID example. I think that's a good example. And we'll talk about some more examples later. So let's say somebody says, you know, I think everybody should wear a mask. And then you ask, you know, well, why? Well, because I had a grandmother who got sick and she died. And or, you know, actually, one thing I really love is when they say something like, A friend of a friend's grandma (laughs) got COVID and she died and it was all because somebody came over to her house and wasn't wearing a mask. And so if you don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. So the third part of this is person A like concludes from all this that you have to accept their position. And if you don't, it means that you want someone to die. So I'm really glad that you brought up that. 
But to yeah. have a constructive, ugh, I can't even speak, constructive conversation, which is one that is productive, or a debate with someone, it's basically using emotional manipulation when you do the appeal to emotion instead of arguments. And it can be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. And emotions are powerful. You know, we've talked about storytelling before. We've talked about how that's how we as humans relate to things and learn things. But, you know, it's not always logical. It doesn't always lead to logical conclusions. Many of us have heard the saying, you know, something along the lines of feelings aren't facts. Um, and I think yeah. that that's, that's very true here. It is. Absolutely. It's it's like that think of the children thing yes. that you hear all the time. It's become sort of its own cliche. But this is it happens all the time, especially in politics, when you're talking about policies that maybe you want to change or, or advocating for, you know, maybe a different system to be put in place. People immediately go to this extreme of, well, think of the children. Yeah. People will starve. People are going to die, kind of like we talked about earlier. And it's this like extreme thing. And they're just trying to get this emotional response. And like you said, Brittany, emotions are very, very powerful. And humans innately are very driven by emotion and the way that things make us feel. So that's why this is such such a bad thing to misuse and to to abuse to try to push your own agenda and make your own point. You can make a, an, an appeal to emotion that is not based in uh, falsehoods or yes. that's not an exaggeration. You can you can bring up good points that maybe pull on people's heartstrings, like you know, say you want to talk about COVID. And, and, you know, why, why people should be careful or something like that. And there, there are a lot of different opinions on this, but the best way to get through to me when you're talking about, you know, COVID and, and sort of how it's spread between people is say, well, if you want to be respectful to your neighbor and respect them as a person, then, you know, keep a little space from them or respect, respect their wishes as your neighbor for how they want to be treated, because I personally really care about re- treating people the way that they want to be treated. So there's there's sort of ways that you can appeal to people's humanity and their emotions without making it this fallacy appeal to emotion, which there there is a difference between talking about emotions, which are super important, yes. and then going down this rabbit hole of being super extreme and, and you know, calling someone a bad person because they disagree with you on something. Well, and I think a lot of time when people use their emotional arguments, it's because they can't find or poke holes in your argument, right? They feel yes. stumped and they think, okay, and you know what? I've done this before. I, I used to do it all the time before I matured a little bit and started reading into logical fallacies, but I wouldn't like what somebody was saying, but I didn't have a real argument. And so it was like, well, I have a friend who blah, 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 no matter what the <laughs> issue was. And I look back now and I laugh because the second I hear someone doing that now, I, I just kind of giggle. I'm like, all right, well, you don't know. <laughs> you don't actually yeah. have an argument. And, you know, like you said, like we both said, emotions are powerful. And so, so many people fall for this. It actually kind of reminds me, we talked about Thomas Sowell in another episode. And mm-hmm. I'm going to butcher the quote, so I won't try to quote him exactly. But someone, Dave Rubin, did an interview with him. And asked him because he used to be a socialist. And he said, why are you not a socialist anymore? And he's like, because I finally started reading the facts. Yeah. So a lot of so that. And, and I would, right? Isn't it? And so I want to get into a couple things. And we'll talk about different public or yeah, excuse me, public policies where we see this come into play. But I'll just kind of branch out from what Sol said. So in socialism, every time I encountered a socialist in, in a college, that was always the thing, right? Oh, you're mm-hmm. an evil capitalist. You don't care about the corporations exploiting the worker and making them work under poor situations and not paying them enough and and 
think of all the children that don't have enough money and don't have food on the table because they're, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I, I always saw a lot of that in, in college. And it's really hard to make your argument to people like this because they tend to just, what's called cognitive dissonance. They tend yes. to just shut off when they hear anything that isn't what they're used to hearing. So mm-hmm. it can be a really hard thing. But what other public policies do you think, Emma, where this is used a lot, this appeal to emotion? Yeah, I I mean, there are so many. I think there pretty are. much any any public policy thing, there will be people that try to use this fallacy to yep. get their point across. But the ones that come to mind especially are minimum wage. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one that's been in the news lately. People saying, oh, if you, if you cared about working class people, you would make sure that they could get paid a living wage. And then it's this interesting question of like, well, what is a living wage? Yes. And why, why would we ever put a number on that? But that's maybe that's a conversation for another episode. <laughs> but that's that's a big one. You know, why do you want people to not be able to put food on the table for their families? Huge emotional appeal there. And then affirmative action, which yes. is basically this idea that people should be given special favors in the workplace and from the government depending on their identity. So it could be their race or their gender or another another thing that's beyond their control. And it, it comes down to this thing of, well, well, you're just bigoted. You're mm-hmm. just, yep. you're prejudiced against people because you don't want us to give them extra help. And, you know, if you're looking into the facts, you know, we're talking about facts are not the same thing as feelings. You look at the facts and people who are, are given affirmative action typically tend to actually be damaged by it and be harmed by it. So that's one of the ones where maybe if, if someone does bring that up to you, if you find yourself in a conversation about affirmative action for some reason, you can actually say, well, if you want to talk about how this harms people and how this how this can be a damaging thing and how it's cruel, let's actually look at the facts because facts a lot of the times can be actually used to, to reach people emotionally and to reach them in, in a feeling kind of way. But it needs to be rooted in facts. It can't just be something that you just toss out there. And, you know, Brittany, you talked about socialism. That's a huge one that we see mm-hmm. this with. So many people use these arguments to try to push for socialism, even push for raising taxes. You know, if you don't want to tax the rich, you're a capitalist pig yep. <laughs> and you, you know, you don't care about the working class. And which is interesting because a lot of those tax dollars actually end up given back to corporations. Yep. To welfare, <laughs> a lot of them. We talked about subsidies. I think that's a exactly, big one. exactly. And, and war too. people use this as an excuse for us to go get into all kinds of wars and countries that are thousands of miles away from us. Because if we don't, if we don't step in, people will die. If we don't do this, then, then it's going to be our fault. And, you know, yada yada and it's it's another thing where it's that's not necessarily true you can look at the facts and when you find yourself in these discussions because if if you do talk about politics at all especially um, with your friends people will start to make these arguments with you I remember when I first started getting interested in politics and talking about it with my friends I would hear a lot of the appeals to emotion because these kids were just repeating what their parents had been saying to or them. their professors or their college or, professors right yeah or their teachers if you especially if you're in public school I got all all kinds of that because I grew up in public school Same. so <laughs> it's uh yeah there there are things that you can do when people bring up the appeals to emotion a lot of times just asking questions asking well what do you mean by that? Where where did you get that information That's from? That's a very good point. What yeah. makes you say that? Responding with questions and engaging people in debate is important. 
it's it's not always a good idea to just go, well, that's an appeal to emotion. Yeah, no, that's you don't not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> right. You don't just win the argument just by saying, well, that's a logical fallacy. <laughs> you know, you need to understand how to respond. But that just comes through practice. So I would say try to maybe in your mind as you're talking to people, if you hear them say something you disagree with or you hear them do one of these fallacies, just kind of be thinking through like, hey, I think that was an appeal to emotion there. And that's the beauty of when you start to learn these things and you learn logic and reasoning. It gives you the ability to have a really great discussion with people yes. where you can get your point across without having to yell at them or without having to, you know, be this jerk person. Yes. <laughs> you can do it in a way that's kind and that's nice to your neighbor, but also that that ultimately gets the point across and focuses on facts rather than just, you know, blindly appealing to people's emotions. And you brought up something I really liked. When I was a teacher, uh, we taught with Socratic method and we never asked, yes. we always asked a question. When somebody asked a question, we responded with, well, why do you think that? Or, or how do you think that? But we never said, why do you feel that way? So one thing our teachers mm. were trained to do is we never brought that into it because when we were talking about things that were academic or philosophical, we wanted to say, okay, how do you know? We said, how do you know a lot or why do you think that or why did that happen? And so like you said, we don't have to be jerks about it. Nobody's going to want to talk to you if you're a jerk. <laughs> so if you just you know, are calm and you say – if you control your own emotions um, and you say that you just ask questions, I think yes. that's really important and I think that will help get a good dialogue going. Exactly. And that's that's the ultimate thing at the end of the day that you want is you want dialogue to help show people the light and help get them thinking about things the right way. If we just go around just owning people and, you know, <laughs> focusing on just making them look like an idiot because they're using all these fallacies, that's not actually going to advance the things that you believe in. So if you can engage someone in a respectful dialogue where you're thinking clearly and you're learning how to think on your feet and how to respond and have these debates, that's going to be a lot more powerful than just saying, hey, that was an appeal to emotion. But understanding these different fallacies is the first step. So stay yep. tuned for more episodes on this. We're going to go into a bunch more of these with you guys. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We will uh, put some stuff in the show notes where you can read more about fallacies. I'll put a link to our book that we have on logical yes. fallacies. We've got a guidebook on this that's awesome. And we will uh, talk to you guys later. Thank you so much, Brittany. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.